All careers go up and down like friendships, like marriages, like anything else. And you can't bet a thousand all the time. Julie Andrews, you're listening to The Real Estate Investor Show, episode number 26. Welcome, ladies, to The Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. We are super excited to have Nicole Pettis from Milwaukee on today's show. She started her real estate investing journey back in 2011 when her son was born and after watching a ton of flipping shows on HGTV. She jumped into this business by starting a networking group with 10 people and has grown it immensely to over 1,000 members. Her experience is in flipping rental property and she has managed over 15 flips. On today's episode, we discuss a lot with Nicole, including how to pay contractors, moving past big challenges, the number one tool you need when working with contractors, and the mindset needed to move from surviving to thriving. Welcome back, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. We're excited to be back with you on another uh, great interview we have with Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Hi. Hi, girls. How are you? We're great. We're great. Uh, but before we, we jump into Nicole and her really... Um, just a fascinating story. Uh, you know, and Jess and I like to kind of chat a bit, not chat too long because yep. we want to get to the point. We know ladies don't have that much time to listen to <laughs> us. So, but you know, in terms of connecting with, with our, the ladies listening. So what, what's, what's up for you on Jessa these days? Well, I want to share with you a couple of things. You know, we're dealing with different personalities within the same team, right? And sometimes, you know, you have when people start calling in nonstop and the second person start calling in nonstop, you're like, okay, there's something up happening, right? And instead of being reactive to the situation and trying to find uh, whose fault it is or, or, or who caused the problem, I'm more into understanding how people are really feeling at that moment, acknowledging that feeling, and just like deflating the situation, basically. And really asking, I'm not interested on like one pointing finger to one another. I'm more interested in what are the possibilities that we're going to create in order for us to avoid the situation again. And really re-engaging people to the same commitment of that open communication and really commitment to build a company based on systems and, and processing place that we can avoid, you know, sometimes people don't do it. Uh, I don't believe, let's say, that people yeah. do, you know, shitty job on purpose. There, there's something going on there, right? You're going to say, oh, what do you do for a living? I do crappy jobs. Yeah. Right? I don't think that. Uh, so within the team members, Sometimes, you know, they say, oh, I'm quitting, I'm out, or whatever that situation is. And probably they are doing the same thing everywhere else in their lives. They, they just don't go forward and really say, let's see what's going on here yeah. instead of avoiding it. So it's, it's just like it's a working process, but yeah. something that I've been practicing more and more as, as I go. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, and you know, you and I could attest this because – Everyone thinks, you know, a lot of people who may not know this business think, you know, you, you fix it up, you sell it, bingo, bango, you're done. But you, you and I both know uh, just, that's not how it goes and yeah. things come up. So to your point, 
you know, ladies listening to this, one quick tip to share with you is what I'll just bring up is so critical. And after you end a project, make sure you ask the question, what worked? What didn't work, what can we do differently moving forward? Because if you don't actually stop and have some reflection, you will repeat, right? The yes. same, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over, getting, getting, getting the same result, but yet thinking you're, you're changing something. So just be mindful of that. That reflection time is really important. I think that's totally. what you're also saying too. Yep. So, great stuff. Um, so welcome, Nicole, to our show. We're so excited to have you on today's show. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as we, as we like to kind of start with, with all of our guests, um, you know, kind of get, get your story because everyone's story is a little different and sure. all of our, our reasons for getting into this business are different. So if you can share with the ladies uh, listening, you know, what, what kind of compelled you and pulled you in to, to investing and what for you sparked this uh, desire to get into uh, real estate investing? I think it was a few things. Um, I've been a graphic designer for 15 plus years and I was working for the big box stores and I was ready to move on and do something else with my life. Then I had my baby boy and then, you know, your heart changes when you have kids. There's just, your purpose becomes a lot bigger. And I wanted to be home for him and I didn't want to be working the nine to five, you know, in the office cubicle. Again, just burnout too of my job. And I always wanted to dabble in real estate, but I'd never felt confident about it. And then, of course, on maternity leave, you watch HDTV a lot. And then uh, Nicole Curtis was very popular at that time. So I fell in love with her, her drive and her desire and her passion. And I'm like, if she can do it, I can do it. And then it just kind of went from there. I did a lot of research on bigger pockets, um, you know, just just educating myself on how to move forward and getting that confidence. So that's really just what got me started, the will to be home with my son and create a financial freedom for our family, you know, get rid of our debt quickly because we'd been working on it for a while, but I needed to do something bigger. And then uh, three, just, just to do something else. I was just yeah. seriously burnt out in my career at the time. What was your first deal? So what, what did you end up like jumping into? So I started um, a network meetup here in Milwaukee. And we'd been doing it for about a year. It was just a small group of us, just 10, 10 to 15. And there was um, this one gentleman that was coming to every meeting every, we did it once a month. And I'd been looking for some private investors. And he finally said, Hey, I'll help you out. I said, Okay, cool. And then I had built some of my my team already. I had a real estate uh, agent who was a friend as well. And he brought me a duplex. And I said, why not? You know, it was in this cute little neighborhood, up and coming neighborhood. It was the right price. The numbers worked. And um, my partner got on board and that was our first flip. It was a duplex. I felt confident at the time because I knew people were buying things for house hacking or, you know, even investors just looking for duplexes. So it was a pretty big project, but overall went really well. Great. And Usually, usually the first projects are the ones that we learn our biggest lessons, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I look at that as a, as a positive. Oh, let me just get this lesson as quick as I can. Throw me universe all the lessons that you want to teach me and then I can, you know, continue growing and getting experience. So if you look back, what are the top three lessons that you learned on your first deal? Oh boy. Okay. Um, just stay on top of things. Trust, but verify. I think it's the biggest issue. Um, 
I had like a very trusting of a lot of these contractors. They come in and they do the job halfway and then they leave. And then they call them and call them and call them and they wouldn't come back. And it was always like, I need money now. And then they would not come back. So just learn to have better processes in place, better contracts in place, better uh, scope of work. Mm. Like I think that's the, the biggest takeaway even now is being as defined and detail oriented as you can in that scope of work. Because if you say install closet doors, that's all they'll do. Even if they need to <laughs> clean it. If it just says install these closet sliding doors, great. Well, they're primered. Paint them. Well, you didn't tell me to do that. Okay. So anyway, just as detailed as you can be with these guys. And it's not, I'm not saying that contractors don't have common sense. It's just that they're hiring subs and you know, you just have to be as detailed as, as possible. And communication is key, key. And I don't care if you're calling them every day, you're not micromanaging. You're just making sure that everybody's on board and everybody understands what your expectations are. I want to share something about scope of work that has been helping me so much. So my scope of work like revolve every single time that I have a project. Mm -hmm. And one thing that has helped me a lot is that at the end of the project, when we have like a buyer's home inspection, I look at what the inspector, you know, is looking for what he found or certain things. Um, There are probably minimum, but I want to, you know, add those things to my scope of work so it's very clear what it needs to be done. And also code change. I am the city of Philadelphia that, you know, sometimes it's just like, oh, surprise, the code change. So <laughs> now you do this way. Right. So, you know, you're revolving and, and it's been extremely helpful for me to use the scope of work and eliminate the sense about common sense. You know, yes, you install the kitchen cabinets, Yes, we need handles. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. So the three takeaways are definitely communication, um, have system and processes in place, or just great contracts with these contractors. And then uh, I said clear communication. What was the third one? Um, be there constantly. I mean, if you can't make it every day, that's okay. But every other day, at least, at least make sure they're showing up and doing what they're supposed to do and set deadlines. You know, to follow up on the scope of work, I think and it's interesting because you know, we partner uh, with Andressa on some projects and then we mm-hmm. also have other projects that we do. So it's always interesting, the projects that Andressa is not involved in, our scope of work is not quite as detailed as, <laughs> as when we're involved with Andressa. But, you know, I, I think it's an interesting p- part of this business because, you know, you could hire the right people. When it really comes down to it, you have to work off this document and you mm-hmm. have to continually update this document. Yep. And when you're renovating property, you don't know what you don't know, especially when you're new or it's a different type of project and you don't know to tell them about the handles, right? You, you just, right. so it's almost like something that you, you put your best foot forward and you just, you don't even know to get into that much detail, quite honestly. Yeah. So I'm curious for you as you've evolved in your flipping business and even as we evolve in our own flipping work, how, you know, what for you, do you, do you then tweak the scope of work as you move forward? Do you have a, did you start with a standard? Did you get the standard from someone else? I mean, for someone listening to this that wants to get better with flipping or even wants to get into flipping, you know, it could be scary. And, and the scope of work is such an important piece to the, the, the puzzle. We talk about hiring contractors, but quite honestly, you can hire the best contractor. If you have a horrible scope of work, it's just the project's not going to work. So I'm curious for you, like, how did you put those pieces in place? Has it evolved over the years? Did you start out with a great template? Is there a place to get this template, you know, for people listening to this so they can start making sure this scope of work is as detailed as they can? Because they don't know what they don't know. Right. And that's, 
that has cost me a lot of money, not knowing what I don't know. And it always does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> my joke is, my joke is, uh, you know, I'm getting my college degree and my master's again. So it's right. like homes one, two, and three, I got my college degree. And these last four, I've gotten my master's and my PhD. So um, I don't know. Every house is different. I always make notes. Uh, for example, like the last few, the electrician has forgotten to put a light over the sink in the kitchen, or they've forgotten to put a plug in for the microwave, you know. It's those little details that add up in the end that cost you more time because now you have to have them come back and put all this stuff in. So my scopes do evolve with each project. So what I'm creating is a everyday scope list. So say for the plumber, um, you know, I'm doing higher end flips. So you have to have a garbage disposal. You have to have this. You have to have that. So when I hand that scope off to my plumber, he has everything that I expect him to install for this house. Same with the electrician. So I'm having these every day that I want every one of my houses. Now the contractor side is going to change a little bit. You know, you might have just a straight cosmetic, but again, you just learn as you go along. Um, when you're doing drywall, make sure you have insulation. And there, when they're taking out everything down to the studs, you got to include the insulation on that end, you know? So it's a learning process, but also you start creating your own template as you go along. Um, and what did I start with? I, relied on the general contractors at that time when I started. But then I got into a job for about six months where I was doing uh, bids on 20 to 30 houses a week. So after doing that many bids and many estimates, I just kind of started making my own templates from there and gotten super detailed with my scope of work because the little things add up, you know, forgetting closet shelves, closet rods. I mean, you guys, might think that not it might not be a lot of money but in the end it costs you hundreds of dollars or plus you got to have people come back and that even costs you more money yeah so. absolutely those are the the very small things that when you're scaling also you're talking about several mistakes that will yeah. cost you so it adds up i'm all about creating systems and process and i'm curious besides the scope of work what other tools or softwares have you used to just facilitate the communication and the process so i just have a straight up excel sheet for my scope of work i've tried other software and there's nothing wrong with them but i have to do what works for me and i like to keep things simple so it's just I, I can't have my scope of work on the Excel, uh, Excel spreadsheet. I actually use numbers on the iPad app. So when I walk into the property, I have that scope of work pulled up and I just hit like my number amounts of what I need. So at the end of my, uh, look, you know, after I tour the house, I already have my rehab numbers together and I might tweak it, you know, add a little more here and there. Um, the other tool I use is Google, Google spreadsheets. Um, in the contracts on through Google Sheets with the contractors. And then me and my contractors use Voxer. Have you guys heard of that one? Boxer. Voxer, like with a V, not Boxer. Oh, Vo Voxer. Yeah, Voxer. <laughs> so it's like a little walkie-talkie system. Oh, and cool. Everything just in one space with that one person. Like you can start chats with, with whoever you want. Now, obviously, you don't want to get too crazy. But if you don't have time to talk on the phone and you, an idea pops in your head, you just click the button and it goes right to them and they get, you know, beeped. It's, it's just a mobile walkie talkie. So you can use it just to talk to them. You can upload photos. You can just communicate that way. Um, but I'm also looking into project management software, but I, you know, again, I, 
it's very complicated. There's a lot there, but still working on that end. I did not hear about Voxer, but I will test it out. It's amazing. I like that. It's amazing. Yeah, we've been using Slack, which yeah. I, you know you can add the voice, but it's not just like what you're mentioning it. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes you just don't have the time to stop the car and just type it off. Like if right. you can just talk. Yep. Go, because as you said, the idea comes to our head. Yeah. And before we forget. <laughs> Right? Because we yeah. have so many things going on. <laughs> I'm exactly like that. I got to get things done. So from your first deal to where you are right now, mm-hmm. tell me how it looks, how your day looks like now compared oh. to what before. Well, you know, we always try to get a routine, but routines are hard to get in this industry because I'll get my morning started. I'll have my cup of coffee. We write in my journal, get going, and then all of a sudden I'll get a phone call. I'm like, hey, Nicole, we need like 10 <laughs> pounds of tile at this house today. You know, it's, so it's like, oh, okay. So we try, I try to get my to-do list going, and I try to follow through with that. But sometimes and emergencies happen, and I have to go to a job site and have to um, take care of things. Because not only am I flipping, but I'm also running some projects for other investors, people that work full-time. Um, where I got hurt was when I was working full time, my GC took huge advantage of that and took off with some, some funds and didn't finish the work and caught me in a big to do. So, um, I figured I'd offer that niche to other investors who work full time and want to have somebody they can trust. So I'm also running a few projects for other investors at this time too. Tell us if you can too, Nicole, I know you've, you've had some you know, really big challenges. I know you've, yes. you've discussed those a little bit, but I'm curious to learn, you know, we learn best from our wins and our, and our losses. Sometimes our losses are, are, are the bigger lessons. Right. Learn. Uh, t- walk us through, you know, the, the biggest challenge you've faced thus far and how you move through it and what you had to do and just share a little bit about the ladies around that. Cause I think we don't talk enough about things that aren't working. You know, people read these blogs and these podcasts and I'm making a million, this, I did, I did, I'm buying this, I'm doing that. And like, we don't talk enough about the stuff that's get, gets in our way. Um, because it's, you know, we don't put it on Facebook. We put all the happy things, right? Oh, I'm doing great. Oh, you know, but yet those are the real things. And that's really where we learn. So I'd love to hear from you share with us, you know, whether it was the house or the time in your, in your, you know, time as a flipper. Yeah. What was the biggest challenge for you and how you moved through it? Gosh, last year I almost lost everything. Seriously. Like I said, I had uh, four flips going and I felt pretty confident at the time I'd done my three. I didn't lose. Yeah. I made money on all three. I took on a lot bigger projects. I thought I hired the right guys and I didn't. And I ran into problems with the contractors, the inspectors in these municipalities didn't care for flippers. So they were giving me a hard time. Um, one of my big projects, we got told we had to put in a, 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 we were originally going to put in the septic back in and they denied it and made us do a sewer lateral. That cost me $40,000. Like it wasn't even, we didn't even know that was coming. The, GC up and left me and said, I'm not going to deal with this job anymore. And, and then I go back to the city and they're like, yeah, we're not going to approve this. You need to do this. And it took me six guys to get through it because nobody likes to work in this municipality either. So it's like on top of me having to figure out calling my investor and going, Hey, we need 40 more grand for this project, which is hard enough already. So 
we're over budget, over deadline, and now I'm severely getting issues from the city. Um, so there was that. Then I hired a GC to run three other projects for me. Again, I was working full time. I was doing a, with working with a real estate investment firm that did rehab, run, rental rehabs. So I was still super busy and he just took off. Like he did a horrible job. You know, I trusted him. He took off with money. Well, I don't want to say he took off with money, but I gave him money. He never finished the job. And what he did do wasn't good at all. I mean, I'm doing high end flips, you know, we're in the mid 300s close to the fours. So these guys, you guys know these second time buyers, third time buyers around, they're a lot more particular about their quality. So you have to really be on top of it. And so our project sat for six months. And let me tell you, last year I cried a lot. I called my parents a lot. And the problem is I didn't have a mentor that I could go to and be like, these are all my problems. How do I fix them? Mm -hmm. So I just had to do a lot of reading and soul searching and, and prayers and just talk to a lot more people and just finally put it out there. Because I think the biggest issue that we have as flippers and investors, and as Liz said, we see all the happy stuff online, right? Or people that we hear and the yeah. podcast that we hear. And that's great. But at the end of the day, there's ups and downs and there's roller coaster rides in this industry. And yeah. it's like, how do you handle it? How do you move forward? You just have to move forward. That's all I can tell you. Persistence and grit and move forward. Sit back, write down your list of what you have to get over those, those hills, those valleys, and figure out how do you do that. So that's what I did. And I finally found some great contractors who said, yeah, we'll take on these projects. Because that's the other thing. I don't know if you ladies are in into it, but when you fire a contractor and you bring in another one, they you give you that. You know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, oh my yes. God, they did this wrong and they did that wrong and they did this wrong. And then you're yep. like, okay, great. Can you fix it? That's all I want. What's well, going to cost you this much more? And I'm like, how about we come down to here? So negotiation is a huge you know, thing you got to learn as well. Um, so, so your investor runs out of money. That, and you're yes. sharing so many great insights. Um, but if I, not to... Uh, focus on that, but I, yeah. I love I love what you're saying around the process. So your project sitting six months. So then, what did you do? <laughs> Cried a lot and just you know called them up and we just fi figured out problem solving. Okay. The the, um, the big project we had paid cash for, and I'm like, hey, let's refinance this, get the cash out of it, take that cash, and put it to the other two that we know are going to make us a, you know a good a good profit, and just get moving again. And he finally said, okay, we'll we'll do it that way. Okay. He was trying to find more money. And I'm like, why are we doing, why are we spinning our wheels on that when we have something here that we can use? Mm. So, you know, just got to rechange this, the strategy. Yeah, we're losing money on that job. They're, that job, whatever. But let's, how do we get these other two that, that, um, that'll bring us some money? And I mean, the biggest thing is I bought right. I bought right and I bought in yeah. the right. So that's saving our butts right now, in all honesty. Wow. I really want to commend you for your perseverance. Thank you. Because sometimes, you know, you, you want to just like, hey, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that thought did cross my mind a few times. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just like, I, I quit a hundred times, but I kept going. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You can quit, but you kept going and moving forward. So I really want to commend you for it. You. So knowing what you know right now. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I want I want us to 
think that there there are other ladies out there that are listening to us right now and they are in the mirror in the middle of the hurricane and they really can't see it and they're really stuck and say i shouldn't have done this this is not a good idea and i shouldn't or you know the shoots come comes in so knowing what you know right now what would you have done differently if you got a chance to to go back oh boy um a lot of things i guess again it comes into that scope of work having better contracts in place not giving so much money up front and not being so trusting so again just checking up on the work better and paying better attention and and um i i mean a lot of people said you took on too much at one time and i would disagree on that one i just didn't manage them right because mm-hmm. if i had managed them right we would have been fine I just trusted way too much and gave way too much money, you know, in the middle of the projects. So I got ahead on the funds. They didn't have any reason to come back and work. They could find other work. You know, you guys know how this cycle works. So it's a very fine line on keeping your contractors moving forward, but yet not giving them too much money. So now, and I think Andressa, you have the same thing. I have a, um, like 10% down when we sign the contract, 15% down yep. after demo, and then 20, 20, 20. You, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a percentage is given out on each um, phase. I don't deadline, but you know what I'm saying? It, yep. Each yep. Phase. Phase. Thank you. I couldn't think of that word for sure. some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but each phase that they hit. So after, you know, they get also, I don't know about other states, but here in Milwaukee, like you have to pull a permit for everything. Yeah. So, after rough inspection, I have to see the past inspection slip before I pay them out because I've had contractors say, Oh, I passed inspection. And then I go find out they didn't, you know, so it's just double check and uh, just make sure they're doing the job that they said that they would. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that was my biggest lesson learned. Now, is that the house that you ended up doing some work yourself? Oh gosh, that was the duplex. That was the one where that was we the first. Were- Okay. Yeah, that was the one okay. you know, learning. And, uh, you know, I think Logan was about two at the time and he was there every weekend with us because <laughs> we had no family here. So we brought the Legos, we brought whatever we needed for him that day and just hung out and refinished a lot of wood because it was a craftsman style. So yeah, really hard. Just to circle back on that kind yeah. of part too. That was your first one, but your yeah. son, I mean, as we talk about you know, creating financial independence and creating financial freedom for ourselves as ladies. <clears throat> we know the statistics as women, women outlive men. I mean, that's a very common statistic. And yet women, you know, statistically, um, you'll find there are some discrepancies, right? With, with what they're doing with their finances, who they rely on. So that's, that's obviously one of our goals with this show. The other, the other goal is the balance part. So, yeah. so you, you, when, you, when you did that work, you brought your son with you. So mm-hmm. some would say, you know, did, did you, was that balance? And I think that's an interesting question. Yet you were trying to achieve a goal so that you created balance in your life, right? Which right. I think is a whole interesting part. So you know, what did you do? So you, you needed to do some work. You have a two-year-old. Walk us through what you did because I think that takes a lot of courage. I think it takes a lot of um, persistence. I mean, so yeah, I'm curious. So you brought Legos. What else did you do to <laughs> Girl. I brought Legos. Because <laughs> Jess and I have young, you know, we both have young, young ones. I mean, I brought a pillow, sleeping bag. You know, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, my husband was there helping me on the weekends too. 
but I don't know. You just, that drive and that fire and that passion just gets in you and you're like, I'm sorry, baby, but this is what we have to do right now at this point of our lives. It's not forever. And I think that's what moms have to remember. This isn't forever that we're working towards a goal. I mean, you know, this summer I can't send him to day camp and I can't send him to summer camp. So he's with me all day. Like every now and then I'll send him to a friend's house, but he's with me meeting the contractors, shaking hands, you know, he's seven now. So he's learning a lot more of the, the principles that are going to be important in this life. And yeah, I have mom guilt a lot sometimes, you know, like I feel like I should be taking him to the pool or to this and that, but I'm like, no, we got to do this. Cause you know, um, do what you got to do today so you can live a better tomorrow. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's, I just have to remind myself, this isn't going to be forever. I'm instilling good values in my son or whether you have a daughter, it doesn't matter. You're just showing them that, Hey, they can be successful if they work hard and, and treat people with kindness and respect. But you also have to set those boundaries too. So, yeah, totally agree. So when, when we talked about, um, having a balanced life. Sometimes yeah. people tell me, oh, I, I don't have a balanced life. I never had one. And, and I think that sometimes we misunderstand uh, or have different uh, ideas about having a balanced life. For me, having a balanced life is to have a completely unbalanced life in terms of I want to spend a ton of time with my family. Mm-hmm. And less time working because right. I'm going to build that cash flow. So that's the goal. It's not that yeah. it's going to be equal in terms of balance. But exactly what you're saying is in my head when the mummy guilt kicks in. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. This is not for tomorrow. We are building a legacy that is going to pass through generations. So I'm willing to do right now what a lot of people are not willing to do. Correct. I'm trying to work it out. In, in your case, you had a two-year-old. How old is he right now? Seven. Seven years yeah. old. So he can totally understand. And I, I, I got to give it to you, what you were saying about the opportunity to share with him some lessons about how to treat people and how to really engage. Because mm -hmm. that's not, that's something, my, mine is three, but I'm always thinking about in the future or how to really take the sense of, entitlement right because yeah. you have a lot of kids so thinking thinking of that in the future how how is your plan right because we want to make sure that they they have they they get the fruit of our work but at the same right. time that they don't just say great don't need to work anymore <laughs> it's like oh, great <laughs> Right. What, what's your plan in relationship to, to the kid's future? Well, my real estate investment plan is to A, keep flipping, B, build passive income, whether that's through rentals, Airbnb, whatever, you know, do wholesaling. Um, I'll eventually get my real estate license. I'm working towards, you know, having that time to get it. Um, but as far as what, so I have boundaries too. I know we were talking about work-life balance. Yes. I don't work past six o'clock. I just don't. Unless I absolutely have to, I don't. And then, you know, Sundays, I try to make that just the family day unless I have to do something. So I do have to add balance to my life because I'm a workaholic. And if I don't, then I will just forever work and then everybody will be grouchy around the house. 
So you yeah, know, there's the work-life balance. And then as far as the legacy goes right now, you know, when Logan goes, I want a Nerf gun or I want this and I want that. I'm like, well, how, what can you do to earn that money to buy it? Cause I'm not going to buy it for you. I'm starting to set these boundaries with him on. He has to start thinking, how can he earn the money that he wants to get what he wants? Like I said, I'll provide food, shelter and clothing for you, son, but you got to <laughs> figure out what else you need to do to, uh, make the money to get these things that you want. And his idea was to come up with a lemonade stand and charge him $10 a cup. So he would only have to sell 10 of them <laughs> to get what he wanted. So <laughs> that's some high end lemonade, but, that is. <laughs> but anyway, that's what I'm trying to teach him. Cause I mean, my parents taught me that, you know, they taught me that lesson. I want to circle back on the, well, you're saying sure. boundaries, if you don't mind. Sure. Because I think it's so easy to set boundaries, right? Not, yeah. and, and, and for my, even thinking about my own life, right? So I'll say, okay, this is the time I'm going to do X. And this is the time I'm going to take the kiddos to the pool, right? Mm-hmm. And it's summertime and this and that. And, um, and then something pops up, right? right? And then it's like, oh, no, I have to deal with this, you know? And then it's like that, do I, do I get a little flexible with my, my, my boundary or not? You know, and so I'm curious what your process goes through, like, it's six. It's six thirty. You get an. You know. You get a call from or a text from one of your contractors that something happened. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Like, how do you respect the boundaries you've created for yourself, and you know, keep things moving along? Like in in real time, real life. How do you do it? Um. Well, you know, I, it's hard to say. If it's an emergency, I take care of it right away. That's just really what it boils down to. If they really need something. I'm there. If my clients need something. So you little emergencies kind of. Yeah. If it's a priority or an emergency, I take care of it. If I have to meet a deadline and the week's gotten away from me, I'll stay up late. Right. But I'll, but I'll go back to work after he's in bed. So, um, but other than that, my contractors and I have an understanding that we start at seven in the morning and then at six at night we're done. So we do all our communication throughout the day that way through Voxer, through email, through text, whatever it needs to be. And then Saturdays I do work. I do go to the the sites if I need to and do a little bit here and there if I need to. And then again, Sunday's our family day. Um, real, nobody works Sundays here. so yeah. <laughs> I mean, even my contractors don't work Sundays. They'll work Saturdays, but everybody takes Sundays off. Because I think you need that. Um, what my turning point was, was Christmas time. I know I'm going off a little bit here, but you guys asked me how I made it through and how I'm moving forward. It was Christmas time. I went with our husband's family down in Alabama. We got a a house and it was owned by real estate investors, believe it or not. And they had a ton of books and I had like literally seven days to do nothing but read and relax. And that's what I did. And that's how I got my mindset back, right? It's about mindset. If you wake up every morning thinking negatively about your day, your day is going to be negative. If you wake up every morning figuring out what your solutions are, you're going to be problem solving and you're going to be getting through it. I'm not going to say I didn't have bad days, but when I started with the positive solutions and the positive day, my days got better. Everything's figure outable. You're going to get it done. How do you get it done? And that's where you have to kind of change your thinking process. We're going to trademark that term. Figure outable. I love it. Yeah, right? I love that. What were those books? You had seven days, all the things happening in your world. What were those books? Oh, you know what? The biggest one was the four hour work week. Okay. And I love that one. It just kind of gives you a new mindset. It's kind of like the rich dad, poor dad thing. Like it just changes your mindset of how you look at things. 
So the four-hour work week, I didn't get to finish it, but it was just amazing. And then there were some others. I don't know. They had some really off-kilter ones, but I think the four-hour work week made a huge difference in my life. And then Rich Dad, Poor Dad obviously makes a huge difference in everybody's life. But I guess those were the two big ones that I reread when I was there. Awesome, really awesome. Helped. And you, you're I, touching base on, oh, on the, the mindset, right? Mm-hmm. I, besides reading books, uh, what do you do in order to keep feeding your mind? Uh, journal. I have a journal that I write in every morning and just, uh, you know, hit, hit, make sure I'm hitting my goals, following through. And, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to do it every day, but that doesn't happen every day. Um, I listen to podcasts like your guys's cause I love it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just reading, reading books, um, you know, whether it's just fun books or, um, you know, business books or creative books. I don't know, just whatever I feel I need at that time to help me move forward in my business. Awesome. Yeah. And Nicole, your, your story is so appreciated because I think you're, you move through those challenges and it doesn't mean you're never not going to have any other challenges, but you did it in a way that um, you stayed true to yourself. And I think that's a big part of this business. You didn't have to become someone you're not proud of. You remained proud of yourself and kind of that person that you're teaching those things to your son, who's adorable. Um, So, you know, if ladies want to reach out to you, uh, you know, before we get into the fabulous three that Andres will ask you, you know, where can they connect with you? Because I, I think your story is so relatable and women are going to really appreciate that. So where can yeah. they reach out to you? Um, I'm on Facebook, Nicole Pettis, and then P-E-T-T-I-S. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And, uh, oh, Instagram, Nikki B Design 525. Awesome. So those are just some places, and then hopefully I'll have a website up soon, but I'll send you guys more of that information when I get there. <laughs> awesome. And all of this information, you guys can uh, check it out on our show notes. You have all the links there, so there's no way you cannot find Nicole. Uh, so Nicole, <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, the fabulous three questions right now. Okay. So the first one, we touched base a little bit, but I want to really get the one that makes made a difference for you. What's the most transformational book you have ever read? I, can I say two? Yes, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> okay so Rich Dad, Poor Dad um, just changed my mindset on how to think about money and how money can work for you. The second one, believe it or not, was Magnolia Story by Chip and Joanna Gaines. Mm. And um, you know, she said something in there. I quit surviving and I started thriving. That was like a big mind opener for me to be proactive and not reactive. But also you just see their transformation through this business and you realize you're not alone in that. I think that was my biggest thing. I always felt like I was alone and you're not, everybody's going through something. And so just reach out to people. And sometimes very similar, right? Yes. And so their, their story really changed my mindset on it's okay you're going to make mistakes you'll never fail the only time you fail is when you walk away from it and quit Mm. but just get through it and you'll win you might lose but at least you got through it and you've learned from it you know fail forward as they say so powerful the second question is what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life oh gosh just keep hustling right you guys 
we talk about routines, but I think the goal is to keep hustling. Don't get it. Don't let things get you down. Uh, the market's changed. You can't just get on the MLS anymore and find flips. You know, what is your marketing game plan? How can you grow this business? What do you have to do on a daily, you know, uh, uh, daily thing to make sure you're, you're bringing in those deals to be successful in this business? Who are you networking with? Who are you reaching out to? Um, so those are all things that I'm working towards. I'm also, again, uh, my, my, one of my partners and I just closed on a seven unit. Congrats. So yay. Right? <laughs> I'm surprised it happened, but it happened. That was great. We, we just put in the right offer, I guess. But yeah, so we're going to make those um, rentals and Airbnbs. We're going to do a mix of, of the two. So we're just going to see which one sticks better. <laughs> so many great tips. I love it. The last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Oh, um, you know, I know it's sappy, but my mom, you know, she's just been, she's just been a rock. My dad, too. I know he's not a female, but... <laughs> <laughs> I have the best of both worlds. My dad is just straight up blunt, honest with me. Like, quit crying, Nicole. There's no crying in real estate. And then my mom is just like, oh, honey, it'll be okay. But this is how you got to figure it out, you know, step by step. So I have to say, yeah. And then, you know, just the ladies out there doing it, doing it every day, like you two do it. And, you know, reading your blogs and reading uh, um, the Facebook and just listening to the podcast. I mean, we, we all can learn from one another, right? And just yeah. talking and, and talking through it. So. Awesome. Uh, Nicole, thank you so much for your time. You know, thank you, you really appreciate uh, being here with us and, and your, you know, transparency and honesty and just <laughs> kind of just sharing what's up for you. So thank you for that. Not everyone is authentic. So we really oh. appreciate that. Oh, sure. Thank you. I just want to help people. That's, you know, one of my other goals is just to help and help others grow. So You definitely did this today, Nicole. Thank you well, thank very you. much. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.